happy day after Valentine's Day. I'm wondering, where do you fall on the whole Valentine's Day hype? Do you love it? Do you love all the cheesy romantic things and wear all the hearts and pink and red? Or are you more in the camp that it's just a consumerist holiday made up by the big companies trying to sell you more stuff? I don't really think there's a right or wrong answer on this one, honestly. I would say we sort of celebrate, I guess. Like, we usually make a nice dinner and get each other a card or something, but we don't go all out by any means. Well, since yesterday was the day of love, I thought it would be a good time to talk about money and relationships because while I've always said that I'm here to encourage moms, like that's what I love to do, if I can help make your relationship better, that would be icing on the cake. So today I'm sharing three tips for you on how to navigate those tricky money conversations with your partner. Talking about money does not have to lead to arguments. In fact, I believe it can be one of the strongest parts of your marriage when done right because it allows you to dream together when you are both on the same page. So so much to talk about here. Let's just go ahead and get started. Hey friend, welcome to Money Mindful Moms. I'm Krista Nalgian, wife and mom, and firm believer that moms with money skills will change the world. I know that you are sick of feeling limited by money, but you also don't want to wait until your kids are older to be able to do fun experiences with them. You want to find a way to transform your relationship with money once and for all. If you're ready to ditch debt, have overflow at the end of each month, and be able to spend money on what's most important to you, you're in the right place. Pop in those earbuds, go reheat your coffee. It's time to dive in. Have you ever said something like, I just wish I could get my husband on board with the budget, but he wants nothing to do with it. Or maybe you said something like, I'm a saver, but my partner is a spender and I just can't seem to make any progress if they're just undoing everything that I'm trying to do here. Or maybe you've said something like, we just don't talk about money. Like it just leads to arguments. So it's better to just avoid money conversations. You know, it's no secret that money can be an issue in marriages. I looked up current statistics and it's estimated that financial problems contribute to 20 to 40% of all divorces. Typically around 41% of divorced Gen Xers along with 29% of divorced boomers state that the reason their marriages ended was due to financial disagreements. Not very encouraging, I know, but do you have to just accept that money and marriage is hard or can you be proactive about improving this part of your relationship? I think you already know what I think and what I'm going to say about this. Look, I am by no means a marriage expert and my husband and I get things wrong all of the time. So I'm not trying to position myself as a relationship therapist or something, but I do have some insight when it comes to navigating challenging financial seasons as a couple and how to make those difficult conversations more of an us versus the problem conversation and less of a you versus me conversation. 
So for today, I'm going to share three tips with you on how you can make these conversations with your partner just a little bit easier so that you can be well on your way to making this one of the strongest parts of your relationship. Now, before we dive into the three tips, I want to give you a few signs to look for and maybe just be aware of that your relationship might be in a money funk. And that just means it's something that you just want to pay attention to. Now, I'm not talking about financial abuse here, which is a totally different thing. If it's reached that point, then you definitely want to seek out help from a professional. I am simply talking about those things that you wish were different when it comes to how you communicate about money. The things that you know probably aren't the healthiest habits, but you're just not sure how to address them. So here are some things to look out for. Number one, talking about money always leads to an argument. So in this scenario, either you're having frequent arguments about money or you've just stopped talking about it altogether because you don't want to argue. And in just a bit, I'll share some thoughts on how to change this. But for now, file this away as something to look out for. The second thing to look out for is you are hiding money from your partner. It could be as small as little purchases here and there to as much as maxed out credit cards or other debts that they don't know about. You know, we sometimes write it off as funny or cute with comments like, oh, don't tell dad how much we spent at the store or making funny reels about hiding our Amazon packages from our partner. But it's one more layer to finances being a sticking point in your relationship. And it's hard to navigate the future together when you're hiding things in the present. The third thing to look out for is if one of you is handling all of the finances without input from the other person. Now it's totally fine for you guys to decide together on what you want your roles as individuals to be when it comes to dividing up these responsibilities here. But in order for it to work for both of you, you need input from both of you. It can't just be only one person doing all of it. And the fourth thing to look out for is you are just trying to make it day by day financially. Now, this one is so common, especially during challenging economic times like we're in right now. But what can happen when we're just trying to make it day by day is that we stop looking to the future. We stop having conversations about what we want to invest in, what we want to save for, and we just take things day by day. If you have found that you and your partner have stopped dreaming, together about what you want your money to be able to do for you in the future, that's definitely something that you want to address. So those are some signs to look for. Nothing to freak out about, right? Just some things that can lead to financial conversations becoming even more difficult if you don't address them. So let's shift into solution mode, shall we? Because it would be super depressing if we were just here talking about challenges without offering solutions. So let me share three ways that you can make these money conversations a little easier. Number one, have a regularly scheduled money date each week. Now, I taught a class recently on this and somebody commented that money dates make her spouse anxious and so he doesn't like to do them, which I totally get it. But let me explain what I mean by money date so that you can see how it can actually help ease anxieties or worries about these types of conversations 
because it's not, it might not be what you're thinking that it is. So what I mean by a weekly money date is simply tacking on money to a conversation that you're probably already having each week with your spouse. So this is that conversation where you're looking at your calendar and saying things like, what's our schedule for this week? Who's picking up the kids? Who's taking Johnny to karate? What meals are we having? Who's going to take the kid to the dentist appointment? Whatever. I'm not asking you to add another meeting to your week. All you're doing with your money date is adding in a few bonus questions to this conversation that have to do with your money goals. So here's a few suggestions on talking points for the money date portion, but you can totally come up with your own if you'd like. One thing that you can say is, hey, let's check in on our budget. And you just look at your progress for the month. If you have it on in an Excel spreadsheet or if you use a program or if you use good old paper and pen, just pull it out and check your progress and make a note together if you're getting close to your spending limits in any areas. You can also say, hey, are there any upcoming expenses or changes to our income that I'm just not aware of? And just make sure that you update your budget if so, because the other person might know, oh, hey, don't forget we have this down payment for summer camp or we have this whatever thing coming up and you might have forgotten about it or just not be aware. The next thing you can say is let's just check our progress on whatever your current goal is. Let's see how much we've extra we've earned this month to put towards our debt. Let's see how close we are on our vacation fund, whatever that is, and just have that quick check-in there. So those are just a few things that you can add in to your weekly check-in that you're doing on all the other things. Now you're just adding in a money portion to that conversation. If you want to, and it makes it more exciting for you both, feel free to make this a full-blown date night each week with your favorite snacks, your favorite topics of conversation that don't just involve money, and make it fun. It does not have to be a dry, boring conversation. In fact, it shouldn't be. No one wants that. And if that's how it feels, that's a problem. So let's find some ways to make it fun. The reason that this money date is so important and you cannot skip it over is because what most people do is they opt out of this conversation because it feels awkward. They don't want to do it, whatever. And then they wait until stuff hits the fan And they have no choice but to talk about it. Those are the most stressful situations that are more likely to lead to arguments and accusations. And he said, she said, and it's your fault. No, it's your fault. You're spending too much. So we went into overdraft, right? You wait until you go into overdraft. And now it's a problem that has to be addressed. Or I just got a call from a debt collector and you're over here online shopping, right? So we wait until there's a big issue to address it, then it's going to be even more difficult. Now, trust me when I tell you it's so much better to just get on the same page with these weekly conversations instead of waiting until you have no choice but to have a tough conversation. The second thing that you can do is just know that in order for this to work, you have to acknowledge that both of you are bringing something to the table financially, whether you work outside the home or not. This one is for my friends who are stay-at-home parents. For so many reasons, it can be challenging to step away from a career to be home with your kids. 
And one of the biggest reasons is navigating your new role in the family's finances. So let me just put this out there right here and right now. If you are a stay-at-home parent, you absolutely are contributing to your family's finances. In fact, it is recommended that stay-at-home parents still get life insurance because if something were to happen to you, your spouse would have an added financial burden. Like they would have to go pay for childcare, after-school care, meal services, house cleaning, you name it, because what you do for your family is invaluable. There have been seasons where I have considered myself to be a stay-at-home parent, even though I've always had some kind of side hustle, including right now in this season, I'm the one that's primarily responsible for the care of our kids in our home while my husband is at work. So here's how I look at it. My husband's financial contribution is his paycheck. My financial contribution as a stay-at-home parent is to maximize that paycheck. I am making sure that we are getting the most out of our tight budget. I meal plan and I grocery shop making sure that we do not waste anything and that my family is getting healthy meals without breaking the bank. I make sure that we're not wasting money on expenses that we're not using. I research all the fun, free, and inexpensive experiences and activities that we can do as a family. I plan our budget-friendly trips. I'm the one that takes the money and makes the absolute most out of it. And because of that, there is no my money or your money. We both truly feel like we're contributing our absolute best for the season that we're in right now. Now, if you can't say that, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, but you're an emotional spender and you're going further and further into debt. It is fair and valid for your partner who is bringing in the income to not be on board with that, right? So I'm not saying that this is a free-for-all as a stay-at-home parent. It's important that you are both on the same page with what your roles are. So if you're a stay-at-home parent and you haven't had a conversation about what this looks like for your relationship, that would be my next recommendation for you. The third thing that might help make these conversations easier is for both of you to be a part of creating the spending plan or budget. I cannot tell you how many times I have talked to someone who is frustrated with their husband. He's just not getting on board with the budget. And when I ask about the creation of the budget, who was involved and what did he contribute, it's crickets, okay? I know that your heart is in the right place and I can totally picture how this went down. You read a book or maybe you even listened to this podcast and you got so hyped about getting your money life together that you created a whole budget and then one night after the kids were in bed, you sprung this on your husband, gave a PowerPoint presentation about the new budget, why you're going to do it, what you're going to do. Okay, maybe it wasn't that extreme, but you get the idea. No doubt that your heart was in the right place, but your partner may not be on board because they had no say in creating this plan. Imagine for a minute if one day you came home from work and your husband had decided that he wanted to focus on his health. So he cleared out the pantry of anything processed, stocked it with only organic, whole fruits and vegetables and protein, And then signed you both up for a gym membership and then just told you what the plan was. 
you might feel a little defensive, right? Like, where is this coming from? What if I'm happy with the way that things are? That's great for you, but why am I being dragged into this, right? The same thing is true when you don't include them in your money plan. So sit with them. Ask them what goals they have. Share your goals with them together. And then create a plan that you both are going to be excited to work towards together. You know, people will support that which they help create. So they will be way more on board with actually following through with a plan when they were the ones that helped come up with that plan. All right. And a bonus tip for you. That's not one of my three points, but it's just consider this an extra. If all else fails, you go first. If you have done all of these things and they still want no part of it, that is okay. You can move forward with your budget paying off your debt and building up your savings with no expectations from them. And it's entirely possible that they will be inspired and want to join you when they see the results of all of your efforts. Think about that health example that I gave before. If instead your husband decided he wanted to get healthy and he started prepping his own meals and getting up early to work out, and you saw just how much more energy he had, you saw how good he looked, you saw how happy he was, you might just want to join him. And not because he told you to, but because you witnessed it for yourself. The same can be true for your financial goals. Don't feel like you need to wait for them to be on board to move forward. But try the other tips that I mentioned first, because if they want to be on board, you really want to do everything that you can to open that door for them. Was this helpful? I sure hope so. I really pray for each of your marriages to get to experience what it's like to be moving in the same direction with your financial goals because truly it's so fun to work through things together and go over, under, around, or through anything that comes your way as you're in pursuit of the big goals that you have individually, that you have together, and that you have as a family. If you haven't done this yet, you guys, I hope that you will consider taking 30 seconds right now. Like press pause on this episode if you have to, and then just scroll down to where you see in tiny purple writing, it says write a review. And if you will leave a written review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast, I would love that. I've actually heard from several people recently that they found me by searching for some key phrases on Apple Podcasts. And the way that Apple decides who to share, like who to push their podcasts out, is based partly on those ratings and reviews. So I would just be oh so grateful if you have not already done so for you to just hop over there right now and do that so more mamas can find this show and get the encouragement that they really need to show up as a boss, as a mom, as a friend, as a wife, and as a member of the community with strong money skills in their back pocket. All right. Thanks, friends. I will see you back here next time. If this podcast episode encouraged you, would you take just two minutes to rate and review the show? It really is the best way that you can say thank you. And while you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and post it on Instagram. Tag me in it because I would love to hear from you. It really is the best way that we can get the word out to other moms who could use some encouragement. I will see you back here real soon. Be blessed and have a powerful day.